WCBN FM Ann Arbor, keeping Richard Nixon's vision of peace and global unity alive with sounds and music from all the cultures of all the people all over the world. If you hear the uh, like you think the ones are, what do you call it, music at the restaurants or on the elevators? That music is destructive. That music, if we had good music playing for people in a happy society on the streets, you know? I feel like uh, my music is uh, I have a new record coming out. Or oh, it's like, well, maybe this time they'll hear it. It's about 6.30 p.m., and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. We'll probably just do kind of a hodgepodge of year-in-review kind of stuff. It's always good to get on John Boehner's case because he's uh, he gets the Brain Damage Award of the year. <laughs> he's just been uh, strange. And uh, interesting stuff, you know. The NSA might be one of the big stories of the year. Um, maybe the dog that didn't bark is another thing. Syria. Um, Obama, I think, wisely, has kept us out of a war in Syria uh, that I don't think would enhance America's standing at all in the Arab world. And well, and that's just made a mess of, of, of that whole area for many years. Yeah. Oh, repeatedly. Theoretically, the the good news, uh, and there is good news, you know, unemployment's been inching downward, and despite the government shutdown, uh, the the budget has improved quite a bit. Uh, We're allegedly going to be more or less out of Afghanistan next year, so I think there's... Well, I think good news on the uh, Iran situation, too, with this agreement to uh, impose no further sanctions and to release sanctions... Uh, these are uh, sanctions that are go back decades. And John Kerry has been, I think, a really good Secretary of State. He's had a good year. Um, presidents sometimes don't get enough credit for avoiding war. <laughs> it doesn't help them in the polls. And while the, the media is fixated with some slippage in Obama's numbers, I think they're sl- slim. He's probably lost some uh, liberal support because of the NSA controversies. And certainly the health care, the opening of the health care was a debacle, but even that's coming around. Well, and the way the Republicans misplayed uh, Republicans and their Tea Party counterparts or colleagues, I don't think it's fair really to call the Tea Party people Republicans. Uh, That's another unfolding drama that we'll continue to see into 2014 is how the Republican Party... uh, undoes itself yeah uh but uh the mishandling of the uh obamacare thing and the government shutdown and now just in today's new york times there's an item that uh the democrats are looking ahead to the uh potential that the uh a rise in the uh minimum wage laws uh would you know float their boats in the next round of elections and that is a sound strategy Rising in on income inequality uh, is, I think, going to be a bigger issue. The fact that fast food workers uh, of of all, you know, livelihoods uh, were the most exciting uh, labor story in the country last year of 2013 uh, is remarkable. And I think shows that this is a 
a major issue. And of course, there were even some ballot initiatives that addressed the minimum wage, and that actually passed in some liberal parts of the country. There's a very interesting piece, by the way, in uh, in the uh, most recent edition of the New York Review of Books by uh, Gary Wells, who's one of the great uh, sort of versatile authors and journalists of our era. Uh, he has been writing about politics for decades, and he's reviewing a book here by uh, Joe Scarborough, who's uh, a former member of the uh, Republican caucus who now, you know, he's he's the host of the Morning Joe show on cable. And uh, some of the observations that, that are made by uh, Wills in uh, this book are, I, in this article, I think are great. Uh, it's interesting that he talks about polarization, making the observation that uh, Joe Lepore noted about the deadlock in Congress that polarization in Congress maps onto one measure better than any other, economic inequality. The smaller the gap between rich and poor, the more moderate our politicians. The greater the gap, the greater the disagreement between liberals and conservatives. The greater the disagreement between liberals and conservatives, the less Congress is able to get done. The less Congress gets done, the greater the gap between the rich and poor. Now, th that's Gary Wills? Yeah, making an observation about Jill Lepore, who um, writes on economic issues, because um, this is a, a lot to do with the interesting problems that our political system has. For instance, he makes the observation that in Pennsylvania, in the 2012 elections, uh, the Republicans in the state only won 47% of the vote, but walked away with 72% of the seats. This is where this idea of John Boehner talking about the American people becomes a little misleading. He keeps trying to suggest to the American people that the House of Representatives is, quote, representative of the American people. But as Wills notes in his critique of uh, Scarborough's book, he thinks that he doesn't pay attention to race, religion, and in an income inequality enough. And at the end of the article, he notes, and I'll just uh, quote it, he says, Scarborough's silly picture of American politics leaves out most of the things that matter, including, but not restricted to race, religion, and money. And of the greatest of these is money. Because, of course, we've seen how entities like the Koch brothers are financing uh, rhetoric regarding the government shutdown and how this... Uh, sort of faux populism expressed by corporate uh, elites. And it's interesting that in the, in the article he notes that a former acting secretary of commerce named Rebecca Blank could not get nominated to the Council of Economic Advisors because she voiced the truism that a commitment to economic justice necessarily implies a commitment to the redistribution of economic resources. The astonishing thing about our public is that it agrees that, quote, too rich to be bribed is a creed that they accept and that the proof that we live in a plutocracy is not that the wealthy get most of our prizes, but the majorities think that's how it should be. 
even to criticize the super wealthy gets into a wage of class warfare. And I think there are some very good observations in this article about the problems uh, that our nation is still confronted with regarding in rising in income inequality and how it relates to educational opportunities, uh, advancement in one's career, and uh, these problems continue to beleaguer our nation. But I wouldn't count on John Boehner <laughs> addressing any of these problems uh, because uh, I think a congressional historian made the observation that this particular Congress has been the least productive in American history. And even today, we, you know, we had a report out yet again about Benghazi. <laughs> mm. Yet again, no evidence of al-Qaeda. And the fact that the video, the, the offensive video, did play a role in this uh, murder of the ambassador. And yet Republican congressmen go on TV and insist there's still a cover-up involved with Benghazi. It's uh, uh, remarkable. Well, if Fox keeps going through the story long enough, surely there's some angle they can spin it on that will stick. And, of course, Laura Logan, uh, just several months ago, got into big trouble with the 60 Minutes airing of a unvetted uh, <laughs> private contractor who talked about a cover-up, and then he turned out to pretty much be a fraud. <laughs> so much for Laura Logan. So, uh, you know, it's interesting, for instance, that the Pope, and I'm not a big fan of uh, the papacy, but the Pope was named, quote, man of, Times Man of the Year, as if that matters. But he said some very interesting things to say in response to in on income inequality. Well, indeed. And, of course, it's always been an, a supreme irony to have the guy who sits in the golden chair with the big fancy hat you know, espouse the, you know, one of the most truest dictums of the Christian ideology is that you help those who are less fortunate, uh, which, of course, makes the what I call nominal uh, evangelical Christians, uh, the religious right in this country, uh, not true Christians at all, uh, because that's not really on their list of concerns. Uh, but this particular pope... Uh, when he was first named, uh, voted in by the Cardinal uh, College of Cardinals, uh, there were some liberal Catholics who expressed disappointment that, oh, well, you know, it's too bad that uh, he's not going to say something more tolerant about gay marriage. I said, well, you know, you can't expect the Pope to just suddenly endorse the concept of, of gay marriage. Maybe eventually, but the, that's not really uh, something you should expect from the Pope. Um, Although the Utah Supreme Court of all Supreme well, Courts. Well, yeah. <laughs> Indeed, it's that was another big cultural uh, and uh, legislative breakthrough uh, this last year as well. The increasing uh, open-mindedness and tolerance by most Americans. Uh, but anyway, this particular Pope uh, emphasized uh, the humility aspect. He's not going to wear the fancy hat. He doesn't wear the fancy shoes. Uh, and he even adopted Francis as his name. Indeed. Uh, a, a man uh, sainted for Assisi, Francis yeah. of Assisi for uh, an extreme vow of poverty and, you know, ultimate service. 
uh, to the poorest and those least able to help themselves. Uh, so this is a major uh, culture change. Uh, you know, they're talking about on you know uh, the coach of the Lions has been fired, and everybody's talking about ah oh, Detroit needs to change its culture of losing in the Lions. Uh, well, that may be possible. I don't know uh, how likely it is. But uh, talk about a culture change. Uh, this particular pope has really turned a page on the uh, right-wing uh, extremism, even, I would say, uh, of John Paul II and the sort of mistaken uh, Pope Dracula the Seventeenth uh, Benedict. Yeah, and it's interesting that a guy like Schwartz, uh, the coach of the Lions, would get fired because, you know, I personally thought they should have given him one more year because many of their close losses occurred because of improbable things, you know, like the snowstorm in Philadelphia. It's hard to play in the snow. Um, he lost a couple of games on incredibly long field goals. Um, and I kind of disagree that he should have been fired. On the, I'll just make this comment. I think at least he had turned the Lions into a team that other teams didn't want to play. Uh, obviously, some of the lack of discipline problems on and off the field uh, – what can the coach do about these things? Players are, are, have to play and make the plays. And in some cases, they just didn't. So I think he's a little bit of a victim of bad luck. Uh, there's obviously talent there, but uh, I think Schwartz actually, you know, he had a lot of I mean, in, injuries in the secondary. What can he do about that? Um, but so much, you know, so what? They'll have a new coach. I don't know that there's some brilliant guy out there that can, quote, reverse the, what, the uh, legacy of losing. But uh, um, certainly this was a year where the Lions should have made the playoffs because of the uh, Indeed, yeah. uh, injury to uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know, had kept the Green Bay Packers season from being very productive. Yet he played yesterday and the Packers are in the playoffs, amazingly enough. So, uh, yeah, this is always a bad day for NFL coaches, the Monday after the season ends. <laughs> There's usually about a dozen of them looking for new jobs. <laughs> so uh, they uh, do not have a happy new year. Um, gee, another interesting item of good news that is often overlooked. Seven-year low reported in piracy off of Somalia. This dated the 24th of uh, October. Uh, from Reuters, uh, you know, it's interesting. There have been a number of sort of spectacular rescues involving the American military. These get very little coverage, you know, involving pirates. <laughs> Obama has had some gutsy uh, calls on this kind of stuff, but you don't hear much about it. It's very strange. Well, actually, uh, isn't that line in the uh, famous Battle Hymn of the Marines, the Halls of Montezuma, to the shores of Tripoli? The Tripoli is a reference to the pirates. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, Thomas Jefferson uh, re refused to negotiate with. <laughs> the Barbary Coast. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, our piracy be not a new problem. And I think they even have a day that's called Act Like a Pirate Day. <laughs> But it, yeah, it's just and it occurs it's not, it's like a Somali pirate, yeah. <laughs> not Somali pirates, but it's interesting. Because yeah, Kalishnikov died. That it, that it occurred. That ago. it occurs right around the time of the financial crisis of yeah. two thousand and eight. I was like, well, yeah. the bankers yeah. um, are acting like pirates. 
Well, there's that Monty Python short at the beginning of the meaning of life, uh, the, where the corporate uh, takeover by the small uh, elderly pirates. I forget the name of the something guaranteed trust, a little animated thing at the beginning there. Corporate pirates. They're everywhere. Obviously, one of the other big stories of the year was the uh, was the Snowden story in the NSA, and of course, these revelations keep trickling out, drip, 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 drip. <laughs> uh, the rumor, by the way, a leak is, no plumber could fix. Yeah, I think even Tricky Dick would have had problems. <laughs> well, of course, <laughs> fixing fixing these leaks. And, of course, one of the amusing things was uh, one of Nixon's top aides, uh, and I forget which one it was. It was one of these uh, books that I was reading over the year about Watergate. And he worked in the, uh, I think it might have been David Young. His mother was under the impression that he was actually a plumber that, you know, oh, wow. with the pants. <laughs> that, the pants kind of plumber that worked in the White House the white house because he told her uh he was a plumber <laughs> and she was under the impression that he worked on faucets and oh plumbers they make pretty good money uh they they don't they shouldn't have to do jail time <laughs> <laughs> leaky valves yeah well wow. yeah and in the nsa uh one of the more interesting stories uh this year in my opinion was a a piece that ran in the london review of books on the 24th of october daniel soar how to get ahead at the NSA, <laughs> which gives you an idea of what actually is going on. I'll read uh, a paragraph here because it's very interesting. And these numbers do uh, become mind-numbing, but are very interesting in and of themselves. He writes, the trouble with both of these responses, and he's referring here to um, spying, shall we say, uh, is that they are answers to a selfish question. Are the spies doing what they're doing because they're interested in us? Civil libertarians say yes, and that the monitoring must stop. Security advocates say no, not if we aren't doing anything bad. The paranoid reaction, that is if I use the word bomb in an email to my aunt from the vicinity of a Bali nightclub, then I may find black-suited agents descending on my hotel room. It's just an extreme version of the narcissist fallacy that someone is trying to see into my brain. There are 7 billion people on the planet and nearly 7 billion mobile phones. 6 billion emails are sent every hour. 1.2 petabytes of data travel across the Internet every minute the equivalent of 2,000 years' worth of music playing continuously, the contents of 2.2 billion books. Even if they don't get everything, the NS claim, NSA claims, with loving wording to, quote, touch just about 1% of global Internet traffic, or about 35 million books' worth of data a minute. The spooks have an awful... Um, have an awful more to be getting on with than worrying about you. Well, those numbers are mind-numbing, uh, but it demonstrates that all of this spying, 
I, you know, it's, it's, it's overwhelming, the data involved and the numbers involved. So you wonder how effective it really is at the end of the day. And certainly didn't catch the Boston Marathon bombing suspects, Indeed. for instance. Um, what's the old song that Zero Mostel referenced in his uh, HUAC appearance? You know, who's going to scrutinize the guy who scrutinizes the guy who scrutinizes me? Yeah, who's going to investigate the investigator right. of the investigation? <laughs> so uh, there is so much information, and that's you know why I say that, you know, uh, yes, of course, ethically it's wrong for them to do this, but... Of course, they're going to do it. Uh, the capacity for it to be done exists, and that's what governments have always done. Going back to even the, you know, the kings of England uh, uh, in the days of old, uh, King John at Runnymede had his, you know, intelligence uh, operators who were telling him, "Yeah, you're going to have to sign this thing. There's no way out of it." Um, so, yeah, I mean, what can you do? So, well, and the thing is, uh, uh, you know, unfortunately, I to resign myself to yeah. it, but there's, you know, and there could could be restrictions made on the NSA by Congress. But sure, Congress is not going to do anything. That's the way they operate these days. Inaction is their policy. Obstruction is their policy, and it's, you know, there there seems to be a lot of whining and complaining about the whole situation but there's no action at the end of the day because once again our congress is uh the best that money can buy <laughs> for the most part that's not to say that there are not good public servants still serving in congress there are but the problem is there's this sort of powerful majority quote unquote of Congress people that are beholden to corporate interests, not the interests of the American people. Well, more and more in the last couple of election cycles, the election uh, process has turned into a small business, a large business, a thriving business. It's big money. Uh, the process of running for office, uh, you know, the publicity campaigns, the advertising, the uh, ideological browbeating that everybody who's exposed to any form of media takes, uh, the psychic exhaustion levels. And I think, I don't know, uh, do those ads make people vote? I think quite the opposite. I think the the endless campaigns of negativity uh, in the end probably diminish the numbers of those who actually get up and go out and vote. Um it's turned into a, a cottage industry uh, of sort of a side pageant uh, for uh, the big moneyed interests that uh, buy off the candidates by paying for the expensive campaigns. And, so. and even, you know, it, it, it's interesting. The Columbia Journalism Review in uh, the July-August edition had a kind of an interesting hard numbers comparison regarding the awareness of uh, the young people in our nation, the 18 to 49 age bracket that advertisers are so interested in, uh, which is odd because it's the people over 50 that have most of the money. <laughs> the 18 to 49 crowd has most of the debt uh, in more ways than one. Uh, because well, our, they've got more time on their hands and haven't figured out how screwed they're going to be down the line yet. <laughs> they haven't, and and you know, spend it, it now. It's interesting to note that there are 1.4 million 
average viewers of The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, 1.1 million average viewers of The Colbert Report, and 1 million who watch The Tonight Show with Jay Leno in this 18 to 49-year-old group. 32% of The Daily Show viewers answered current events correctly, four current events. 29% of Colbert's viewers answered those same questions correctly. 21, 17, and 16% are the percentage of MSNBC, CNN, and Fox News viewers that answered the questions correctly. <laughs> In other words, Fox has all these watchers who don't seem to know too much about current events. <laughs> 16% is pretty bad. Well, I think it's, it's been noted uh, with, you know, wry irony of, the, the, I think, the great satirist Stephen Colbert. Uh, I think he's one of the best guys working in satire yeah. today. Um, that Fox's job is not to inform you. It is to make you frightened and angry. And I think that's exactly it. That is the very purpose of Fox, quote unquote, news. They're not there to explain anything to you. They're not there to pursue stories that, you know, need to be revealed. They're there to freak people out. And Colbert's uh, recreation of the midnight ride of Paul <laughs> Revere, uh, I think, has doomed Sarah Palin <laughs> and her political career forever. Yeah. That was special. Yeah, yeah it was a, a magic moment in TV <laughs> history. <laughs> The triangular hat, the mechanical horse, with the farthing being pulled out of the waist coast while attempting to load the muzzle pistol, <laughs> the muzzle, the musket with powder and a bullet while ringing a bell. It was classic. Uh, and of course, at the end of this Columbia journalism uh, synopsis, is this interesting bit of trivia: 521 issues of Mad Magazine since its 1952 launch. Hmm. You would have thought it would be more than that, but um, it's interesting. Well, it's a quarterly I, now. Yeah. It's been a quarterly for a number of years. And I, I, I got to say, uh, as a longtime reader of Mad Magazine, I started reading it in the early 70s at about the age of uh, 9 or 10 and uh, read it straight through about the middle of the 80s. Uh, gave up on Mad Magazine when they started taking advertisements in the late 80s and just rejected that in horror. Oh, Mad Magazine is dead. But I'll tell you, for the last couple of years, it's very good. Again. And I strongly recommend reading Mad Magazine. I, sure, there's ads, but some. in fact, right now, the issue on the stands is their end of the year, 20 stupidest things of 2013. And there's some really good laughs and some good satire. Yes. Because uh, that was uh, how you know I had the Watergate crisis explained to me uh through mad magazine's satiric uh take on it back in the early mid-70s well i had a subscription as a boy too but i suspect i suspect it was actually my mother that ah <laughs> that read it my dad more. read it too yeah, yeah. <laughs> secretly <laughs> you have a subscription for mad magazine but i i'm the one that actually reads it cover to cover yeah, <laughs> yeah and i mentioned that uh, number 521 because it uh mm. Well, in honor of Sarah Palin, it rings a bell. It rings a bell. 321 uh, was the number of people that signed up for Romney Care in uh, Massachusetts in the first year of oh. its launch. So the 2 million people that have signed up for Obamacare uh, using these <laughs> strange 
metaphors is is actually a, a rather impressive number at the end of the day, despite all the critique of the problems with the website and whatnot. And uh, you can still sign up for Obamacare. You just merely cannot get covered on the 1st of January. But uh, you're going to be hungover anyway, <laughs> laying in bed, nursing a hangover. But um, you will be able to listen to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, uh, at least here locally and on the Internet as well. Uh, of course, there's going to be a big, big hockey game in town on New Year's Day. Um, and just a word of uh, 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 an update, Main Street between William and Huron is going to be closed tomorrow. So uh, they're going to have some sort of a brouhaha with a hockey puck drop in honor of the uh, New York uh, tradition of dropping the ball. Yeah. Or, yeah. So, uh, yeah, hopefully this is going to bring a lot of good money into the Ann Arbor economy. I certainly uh, welcome that, as I'm sure we all do. Uh, you know, I complain about the football games. Uh, but obviously that's a big influx of cash into the area, hotels, taxis, yeah, uh, restaurants, uh, shops, etc. So Many will be open that are normally closed because of the enormous crowd coming in from our friends. It's basically like the, the, East, the NHL's Canadians. Uh, yeah. equivalent of a Super Bowl, uh, the way this event is being handled. It's going to be fairly spectacular, So, uh, and the weather seems to be cooperating well uh, for the ice quality. It's going to be cold. It's going to be cold. So, so uh, wear your warmly. WCBN hoodie. Sw sweatshirt. <laughs> It'll gi give you that extra layer that you, that you might need out there if you're uh, watching the hockey game. We're out of time. Uh, thanks uh, to Andrew for engineering once again, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Your radio is on. It's on 88.3 FM. WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor's 24-hour open-minded radio surprise pudding. Licensed to the regents of the University of Michigan. Operated by students at the University of Michigan. Uniquely maintained as a healthy alternative and a positive influence on the mental health of the Ann Arbor community. You are here. Good evening. You're listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor, and this is Yazoo City Calling. This is our weekly dedication to early American blues music that survives on phonograph records and various field recordings of the early 20th century. We broadcast to you live every Monday night from 7 to 8 p.m. on 88.3 FM. Uh, my name is Weston Hughes, and I'm your host this week. If you'd like to call and make a request, 734-763-3500 is the phone number, and all of our recordings are going to be um, before the Second World War, so before 1942, please keep that in mind. Up uh, first, uh, this evening we have uh, the uh, mysterious Virginia guitar player known as Bayless Rose. Um, possibly uh, his real name was Bailey Rose, um, a uh, mentor to Dick Justice. And um, it, we're going to listen to his 1930 recording of Jamestown Exhibition. 